Hey everyone! Today's episode is kind of special for many reasons. First, it's only a few days before the 2020 presidential elections, and today on the podcast we're talking to one of my dearest friends, Antonio Bell, ex-human resources professional turned long-haul truck driver, finishing his degree along the way. He's had kind of an adventure during the pandemic, transitioning into an essential worker, driving up, down, and across the U.S., bringing all kinds of items to where they need to go. It's always amazing when we get to chat, so stay tuned. Hey, Antonio, how are you? Where in the world are you? Hey, I'm actually in New Mexico, Santa Rosa to be exact. It's a small little town in New Mexico, obviously. It's on Route 66, though, and there are probably 22 people here. I <laughs> couldn't tell you if there are more than that, but uh, it's on but- Route 66. Yeah, at least it's, you know, off of a known landmark, right? It is, yeah. And in fact, I'm going to go to this automobile museum, automobile museum uh, tomorrow. And it's kind of this walk down memory lane, somebody's memory, not mine. But uh, <laughs> it'll be cool to see some of those old cars that, you know, would have probably been running up and down Route 66. Okay. So, yeah, it's exciting. So it's at least themed. It is themed, Yeah. <laughs> And you can tell them they're making a huge effort to make it look less crappy than it used to. Like hotels are investing. They're Mm -hmm. getting rid of some of the older motels that were mm, less than their best selves and putting up some pretty nice hotels. Nothing too big or grand, but just trying to breathe life into Route 66 and get people coming back down. Because, you know, there are a lot of struggling businesses that obviously have died with the the creation or the 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 kind of modern modernization of the new highway systems so as those highway systems become grander and more efficient those old highways like route 66 are like further from even background ideas they just people don't Mm -hmm. even know they exist yeah i don't think that anybody who's like generation z would even know what route 66 is yeah i know right i just think about that like at least i know i think it might have come from target or kmart my knowledge about 66 but <laughs> I, I like i know it exists right it's a thing yeah like it's this yeah. thing but uh there are highway 66 is all across the world that have across the country that have suffered because the interstate systems are becoming bigger you know faster more efficient mm-hmm. And a lot of the resources you need are generally a lot closer to those interstates. So you don't have the need to drive two miles off the highway or a mile for that matter to get to places like Highway 66. But I'll tell you, it's charming. The people are super nice. I, you know, as a black guy, I always get a little bit, you know, leery (laughs) of going into new towns uh, when I don't have any history to draw from. Um. You know, New Mexico isn't necessarily dropping in the middle of Georgia, you know, not to offend those fine folks, but they're different concerns I have, right, going into mm-hmm. central Georgia versus going into central New Mexico. So that being yeah, said, sure. folks are super nice and good food. So far, I've had like a meal and it's been amazing. Mexican food, the best tacos mm-hmm. I've had since Mexico, I'm just going to say. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're glad to hear it. So Obviously, the, you know, 2020 has changed many people's lives, but I want to ask how it's changed for you. Yeah, well, 2020 started out as a 
like an epic change or seismic change for me because before kind of like I'll take you through a little bit of what I've done in the past it's been really HR intensive so I've done Mm -hmm. HR I took a break from a recruiting manager job and decided to just tour because I was thinking like what am I doing like what I got to be doing something more than this so I went to South America had a little bit of a situation there went to Mexico, traveled around there for a bit and fell in love. But I realized like, hey, I need to start making some money. And Mm -hmm. I decided, well, I better go back to the confines of HR. I at least know after 40 hours of work, they're going to pay me. So (laughs) I decided. You would hope, yeah. Yeah, I I was hoping, you know, you you can't always be guaranteed on everything. But like I, I suspected I suspected I was going to get a paycheck. <laughs> so that was enough to bring me in. Mm-hmm. But I did that for a few months. And it was good. I enjoyed the job that I was doing. I was helping college graduates find jobs in their career, in their, you know, track of career studies or within their line, in their field of study, excuse me. And yeah. that was really good. I enjoyed that. But I still kind of had that, like, spirit of travel on me and I really wanted to do something that would allow me to continue traveling because that was I can't tell you how liberating that was and how fun that was just getting yeah. to like just travel and experience new people new cultures new food the food I mean, if I didn't mention the food I'd like to reiterate that food piece <laughs> it really is something that I I steep my soul in but uh, well it is something for for many people food is a driver of a lot but yeah I won't go down that road too deep but yeah but I I I love that so I decided I was looking out of my office window one day and I saw some big rigs barreling by and I thought huh now that's a way to see the country that's definitely they they will pay you (laughs) I'm I'm told they pay you definitely yeah and I was like they pay you you can eat food and you'll see the country I was like what do I sign so cut to like I did it in February I went to a training course I started driving trucks in March and I've been driving trucks since March up until the present day. Wow. I mean, that must have been uh, not only, I mean, obviously you're changing careers, but you're also doing it in the middle of a pandemic and becoming an essential worker, right? Yeah, no, it is. It's interesting to, I, you know, the timing of that decision-making was interesting because if I would have stuck with my regular job, what I was doing in HR, I would have A, been laid off mm-hmm. or B, been working remote, right? So not only yeah. would I have been working, I've been kind of confined to my house, but I would have been confined to my house and then working kind of this normal eight to five schedule, completely like held prisoner. I know a lot of people have done it. A lot of your listeners probably have had to do that. I totally get it. But that would have drove me absolutely insane right like yeah have been contemplating what does the next mission or like adventure look like and then being told like uh your adventure is going to be your desk and your chair and that computer adventure mm-hmm. away that would have and been, not to mention the isolation right yeah that would have been really tough that would really been tough because i'm super extroverted mm-hmm. and i don't have enough things in my house to keep me that entertained so that would have been <laughs> <laughs> that would have been something. So the, the timing of it all 
is what I was going with it is it, it just it happened at a good time but I got to yeah. see the, the the states in a different way because I've been in some of these big cities that I drive through now like whether mm-hmm. that be for conference or you know visiting friends going to a wedding and I'll tell you it's really eerie to drive through downtown Houston at two o'clock in the afternoon and you could probably just do cartwheels down the highway and you'd be okay you well wow. it's weird being one of like five vehicles north and southbound on the interstate mm-hmm. it was sobering it let you know like something's going on big yeah it's yeah it's, it was a little scary it was like this kind of post-apocalyptic like per like scene that was happening around the country and i don't know if you've ever been to houston but that didn't happen in houston too often I have not, but I remember the first time I spent six months in my neighborhood, and that that was it. Basically, going up and down one major street. Right, I can't imagine. Um, and then going downtown for the first time to pick up a vehicle from the rental place. After six months, uh, it was. I agree. It was. It felt like having almost like an apocalyptic experience. Girl, that sounds like an imagination. <laughs> But it was also like having um, visited a place that you haven't seen in years and realizing that it hasn't changed, but you yourself have changed drastically. Wow. Right? Yeah. No, I get it. So I know you've seen more of the U.S. than I probably will ever dream of. But, you know, how has that experience been? How has that uh, especially during these, you know, very divisive times during a pandemic, how have you been able to um, understand a little bit of, of people's experience? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I uh, I had some ideas about like how people were in other places in the country. Uh, there's some places I would never have imagined going to, let alone like checking into a hotel or getting some DoorDash from someone. But there, there's some really kind people out there. There's some really great people and, you know, some well-wishers, you know, being a truck driver, there are saying things like, you know, take care. Yeah, so it was just really like going around the country, you, you kind of get to experience all kinds of people in these really remote places. And you might have your ideas or, you know, these preconceived notions as, to how people are going to be and it's not always true right like what mm-hmm. you think about people in california or central florida or you know in the ruralist ruralist portions of alabama you have these ideas as to how that experience is going to be and it all it doesn't always shape out that way like i was i got an uber eats delivery from i can't remember the name maybe tuscaloosa alabama someplace super obscure right like you wouldn't necessarily have even though it was on the map or someone didn't point it out for you. Mm, But I got Uber Eats delivery and the guy was so gracious. He was like super nice in the interaction and he gave a thank you note as well. He gave a thank you note and it was like just saying thank you for, you know, being out here. So grateful to you. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was like really kind. And he matched the, the sentiment in that, in that card as well. It wasn't as if, you know, he was just throwing cards out there, but his interaction with me kind of 
validated that sentiment. And I just thought that was so sweet. And it wasn't anything <laughs> that I would have imagined for where I was, right? Like I was in yeah. like north, north, two hours north of Birmingham in the middle of nowhere, really. So the fact that yeah. I had Greece to begin with was enough for me, but mm-hmm. it was, it was nice. It was really, really sweet. And it just let me know that, you know, hold reserve, like reserve your opinions of different, reserve your opinions for different people. Experience them first and then kind of have an idea like use that that is your governor but don't you know automatically assume that it's going to be a negative experience because you know anyways i can ramble on and on about that well i do think it's interesting because yeah i have seen um especially in the gig economy like obviously um that used to be sort of like a menial labor job that people some people thought they were too good for um And I kind of sort of feel like for many people having, you know, the pandemic and the economy has sort of made them need to get any kind of job or anything that they could get their hands on. Um, And just having like a a positive interaction sort of with that, even if you, you know, are like, oh, this is beneath me, but actually this is what I need to feed my family just as much as anybody else. Um, is interesting and I think that like do you think that people um have since though lost that sort of I know you know on the news they talk a lot about um pandemic fatigue and that's become a problem especially for younger people that are just tired of being at home and they miss their friends and going out and stuff do you think that you know that that sentiment of like oh we we love our essential workers we care about essential workers that's that sort of died down a little bit yeah, you know, as uh, kind of being newly indoctrinated into this idea of being an essential worker, I hope that that's not true. You yeah. get so many, like, that idea of people appreciating what you do is refor- reinforced on a daily basis, right? It can be something as small as someone letting you into traffic on a mm. busy way, someone buying you something like getting a sandwich i've gotten a sandwich paid for in subway within like the last month Mm. like it's these little kindnesses right that are still happening and i hope that that's not changed i think maybe on a more grand scale and kind of generally speaking maybe people have become so frustrated as you said right like i hadn't had to experience quarantine in the way Mm -hmm. that many people have i've quarantined my own way right but it's very different than yeah. what would have been true of me being in a tr- in an apartment cooped up for six months, right? So yeah. that experience obviously is very different for me. But uh, I just feel like people have a different appreciation for a different appreciation for those frontline workers, for those critically important workers. I think that their their consciousness has kind of awoken to. Mm-hmm all of these people are always milling around trying to make sure that they have a cohesive and functioning, functioning and efficient life. Yeah. I think the knowledge of that being true, maybe it won't go away, but the appreciation for that work may, but at least the awareness is there, which, you know, small victories. <laughs> okay. So 
obviously, uh, you know, at the time of this recording, it's the last weekend before the presidential elections in the U.S. Eek. <laughs> Eek. <laughs> How, you know, as a person that has seen, you know, the country uh, up close and personal in many ways, um, like, what are your thoughts on this on this election season? And I mean, I, for one, am glad for it to finally be over in a lot of ways. Yeah, I know. I agree with you, right? It's been, it's almost as if someone's like told you like, hey, you got a, you had a cancer screening like last year and you're about to get the results of that cancer screening on November 3rd. (laughs) But it started in April of 2019, right? You're like. The doctor's like, hey, by the way, I think there's some concerns. We'll do a biopsy, you know, at the end of the year, and maybe we'll give you the results at the end of the next year. I'll let you know. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Everyone's just been cringing. But yeah. how I feel about this election, I'm scared. Mm. <laughs> because being able to drive around this country, I see that there is a tremendous amount of support for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. If you, you can, you literally can drive across any square inch of this country and you're going to find a Donald Trump sign. You're going to find a flag. There's going to be flags hanging from overpasses. I've seen people in almost, I'd say maybe 20 cities Mm. sitting on on ramps, like with flags, American flags, uh, Trump flags, huge Trump flags hanging from the the overpasses i don't know how legal that is but i see it like often enough for you know it to be like somewhat legal i don't even know like what the ramifications of that would be you know in terms of getting getting uh permits and things like that but it happens so frequently and i gotta tell you i had it like a douchebag moment because I was driving underneath one of those bridges and then like everybody on the bridge was like, pull the horn, pull the horn, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I would die first before I like, <laughs> that's not happening. Not today, not tomorrow. And I felt bad about it because it's like, you know, there's something joyful and, you know, jovial about doing that, but mm-hmm. I could not see past politics. Yeah. It wasn't happening. I wasn't going to be able to do it today. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as, Obviously, you've been on the road for several months and you've seen sort of the transition from total lockdown to places that have loosened up, places that may have gone back phases. Like in your interactions with people, um, are you interacting with people that are, you know, divisive in how they're interacting with you, like, you know, anti-maskers or... Um, people that just, you know, say it's a hoax, that COVID isn't real, or, you know, anything of that sort of nature. You know, um, I, like, have treaded very carefully and cautiously when interacting with people, mm-hmm. because, like, I don't want them in my space. So, in terms of having a lot of conversations with people, I haven't really done that, but you can see there's a clear delineation uh, when you're out in the world of uh, folks that believe that we're in the middle of a pandemic and that a mask is a, a necessity, right? Not a, mm-hmm. a political show. It's not 
something that you do for aesthetics, which that's some pretty cool masks, masks out there. I've seen some really <laughs> cool ones. But, you know, like it's making fun of a very serious thing, right? It's making it, yeah. making it more interesting. But there's that group of people. And then there are the others. There are people who don't have masks on. There are people who like... I was actually getting a tea out of a refrigerator at a gas station one time. And this guy like walks in front of me no mask on and i like almost did the matrix i was like what the hell is going on i was like i was like he hasn't heard has he i was like i should probably give him a newspaper so he can read about it or something because i was like Eesh. i was like oh i'm no longer interested in tina let's go <laughs> i but do yeah, agree that who don't get it yeah i do agree that there's if you are of the you know the people that are concerned if you've been personally affected or if you have people that you're living with that you know maybe autoimmune or maybe just be more perceptible to you know the harmful effects of the virus that you get this like almost anxiety when you're around people like you don't want people to get anywhere near you um luckily here you can't go anywhere inside without a mask um and that's sort of been a saving grace because i feel like it's become it it went from being like people were looking at us like we were weird when we were the first ones having masks, obviously, you know, having a Chinese husband living in Asia for a long time, wearing masks is not a weird thing. Sure. Um, and then going to slowly but surely now there's, you know, everyone <laughs> is on board with wearing a mask, but there's always those people that, don't know how to wear masks. Oh my god! <laughs> like the, the ones that do it like under the nose or put it on their chin. I have it with me. Like, isn't that enough? I just want to slap like... them with a can of V8. I really do. <laughs> I just want to do that every time. Like, I actually, we were standing downtown outside of Foot Locker, and um, I was like, I was having anxiety a little bit about going in because it just seemed like there were too many people inside. Um, but I really kind of wanted to buy a pair of shoes. So it was like, you know, pros and cons situation. <laughs> the risk reward return. Yes. Yes. But then there's like this sign on the, on the, on the side of where people are waiting in line and in big letters, it has all of these depictions of how not to wear your mask and how to properly wear your mask. I feel like the fact that they had that, there had to have been conversations with like there was like a little security guy um well he wasn't little he was like this big like linebacker type <laughs> um at the door letting people in and it just it had to have been a conversation right like you don't put like signs you know telling people not to put their masks like wear it on their elbows or wear <sighs> it you know to like warm their neck <laughs> yeah because obviously that was something that people were trying to do or <laughs> thought that they were. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least Canada <laughs> has the good sense to just put out some literature saying, hey, by the way, guys, it may not have occurred to you that you're wearing it wrong, but here's the good news. Um, well, yeah, like I like even for work, my mom was like, she basically sealed herself in her office <laughs> and everybody has to like, talk to her through a plastic cover screen and everyone's like oh you're so crazy you're so paranoid um my dad has all of the criteria to have this be a bad thing like 
she's protecting herself and she's protecting her husband. Like, right. I don't understand why it became an issue for other people in protecting yourself. Like, almost like a like a sign of mockery. Yeah. Like, oh, you're you're wearing a mask. That's just, you're wearing two masks. That's so silly. Like, you know, you're wearing gloves. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting to your earlier point about the normalcy like ratio right like where you mm-hmm. go from being completely abnormal to a part of the cr- part of the crowd yeah that's kind of what like your mom's kind of casing herself in with saran wrap i don't know what the material is but it just sounds <laughs> funny to me to say saran wrap but that's happening across the country more and more mm-hmm. like as i like i visit hotels right like obviously super safe and try to keep myself as safe as possible but being a truck driver staying at hotels from time to time is a bit of a necessity mm-hmm. and a luxury i won't pay any other way it's kind of nice to just kind of lay in a full bed and enjoy yourself yeah because i don't know what you know of trucks but they're not the most comfortable things on the planet oh i assumed like you were just laying on the floor like i don't even know what <laughs> a truck bed would look like i'll have to give you a tour or something <laughs> at some point but yeah no it's uh it's two beds. One's like a little bit bigger than a regular twin, and the other one is smaller than a regular twin. So mm. I'm six foot five, and I don't think you fit in a normal size. Twin. Right, like I the, the best today <laughs> the double was a challenge. So we'll just put that. Yeah. On there. So it's nice. So again, it's the risk reward thing, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, across the country, you're now seeing hotels doing just that. They're actually sealing in their front desks. And mm-hmm. and I even seen a makeshift where they were using something that resembled saran wrap, where they were cons- like from from the top of the ceiling down to the top of the desk, and mm-hmm. they had like a little bit of an insert right there that they can flap open and closed to handle that those transactions. Yeah. So your mom was a trailblazer because much <laughs> like the masks, you're gonna start seeing people seal themselves in, especially since as we know there's a surge like this kind of third wave so-called that is yeah. hitting the country in a very gr- it, it's devastating to see these cases surging we're looking at 80,000 mm-hmm. new cases a week that's incredible. well i was told i saw yesterday i think 100,000 oh, you miss a day you miss a lot yeah yeah and I, and i feel like i don't understand why these numbers don't scare people um, I mean, it, not to say that you you know you should be you know rising to the panic, but looking at the rest of the world, you know, England has now shut back down. France, Germany, um, versus a place like Taiwan, has been COVID free for two hundred days, and it's because they, as a society, decided we're going to do what we need in order to make sure that no one is getting sick. We have contact tracing, everything. Yeah, there's like, again, the pros and cons, like you're gonna have to give up some pri- some privacy in order to everyone to know, like the contact tracers to know where you've been, you know, all day. But is that, does that privacy outweigh the lives of, you know, 200,000 plus people? And I, know, I don't know that you are that exciting that (laughs) your privacy (laughs) should garner lives yeah no i agree i completely agree and i think one of the the major tenets that separates the united states from some of the countries that you know they've they have been able to kind of 
suppress those numbers and really stave off some of the harsher impacts of COVID-19 is that they're more community oriented. They're more focused mm-hmm. on kind of the, the, the better good is of the, the community as a whole, right? Like their emphasis yeah. is on community and not on individual. And mm-hmm. as you, you know, you've been on, you've been in Canada for a little while, but I think you probably remember enough of the United States to know that the emphasis is always on the individual. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in Canada is is definitely a mix of the two. Like, there are definitely pockets where, yes, because their numbers are low, they are really fighting back on economic restrictions. Um, But at the same time, you know, with the, the percentage of population, we've had... I think nearly a hundred thousand positive tests for the entire year. So for the time of the pandemic, the same as one day in the U S isn't it outrageous. Um, plus like, I mean, it's any death is, is horrible, but um, I think a lot in the last few days, they just marked the 10,000 death rate or, um, but again, most of those deaths were at the beginning of the pandemic. They were uh, mostly, you know, in older uh, older residences, um, which is bad, but I think that's also a time where they weren't, they didn't necessarily understand how the virus was working well. Um, but I think that by having the the federal um, layer actually being like, this is something that we need to do as a country, not just uh, taking it, you know, province by province gotcha. or state by state, yeah. you know, I think that made a difference. I can. I mean, it's still not great, but. But yeah, yeah, not great is significantly better than our nightmare. It's just a living nightmare, unfortunately, is what it is. Yeah. And, and I, well, I was going to say part of the problem, I think, is also because of um at the beginning it was you know mostly urban areas high density high population but now that's not the case right not at all it's it's widespread right even some of the most rural communities those are the ones that are being most impacted in this kind of third wave the so-called third wave it's hitting a lot Mm -hmm. of those places that were deemed relatively safe or safe or low impacted that's changed dramatically the paradigm shift is seismic and it's kind of fascinating to see that even as i travel around the country the response to that has been indifference as if it's not happening yeah well and the thing is i think that with those rural communities the problem is that while they don't have the same access to healthcare, right you know a, a clinic in the middle of nowhere usa is not going to have the same ICU capability, the same equipment as a hospital in the, in the metropolis area. You're not, you're not even close, right? I mean, they're no. probably then the hospital near closest to them may not even be able to deal with the the new surge, right? Like po- hospitals, mm-hmm. even just as far as two months ago, were seeing a rise, and then they were having these shortages of beds, needing to create these auxiliary hospitals to handle overflow because. They were just being inundated with new patients, right? They didn't have the fa- facilities yeah. or the faculty to support all these new cases. And then now you have this surge of 
rural America now experiencing what was happening in the in the urban areas, as you say, and mm-hmm. it's shocking the system. It's yeah, and I think that it's um, it's interesting, especially like here in Canada when you when it comes to like border cities, because uh, you know the Canadian and U.S. border is obviously closed. Um, but if you're an essential worker, uh, you still need to cross. And there actually is um, in Windsor, Canada, that's on the other side of the oh, border the from Detroit. I want to snowboard there. Side note, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> back to the somber reality. Well, yeah, <laughs> the they actually um, have a problem with the fact that Windsor has like a three thousand cases. But Detroit has umpteenth cases. And they're having a problem with the sort of the the Canadian side with, at first it was like, you know, essential workers, you're great, you're wonderful, thank you for helping us out. And now people are almost like afraid that they're bringing the virus with them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that are crossing the border you know, if there's a nurse living in Windsor, they have to, and they have, you know, American plates for whatever reason. Um, they're having to, you know, put signs on their cars so that they don't get, you know, damage to their vehicles because people are a little bit embittered about the fact that they're walk- they're working in a place that's technically a hot zone. Sure, sure. Oof. And I, I can understand it's still... But I don't know. I mean, things could change in the next few months where um, or in the next few days. Sorry. And I mean, things won't actually change until early next year. But do you think that the outcome of the election is going to change things dramatically or it's just going to be politics as usual? So, I mean, the reality is you could have gotten a Republican president elect into office. And it would still be a drastic difference from a Trump administration, right? Like, it's difficult Mm -hmm. to try to put a marker on what, you know, anything that comes into office, right, is going to be dramatically different than what we've experienced in a Trump administration. I hope. I hope. (laughs) But uh, he's been so unconventional and not in a good way, right? Like, unconvention can be good in a arcane uh, machine like you know u.s politics it is so Mm -hmm. antiquated and yeah i think that that's generally accepted but no one wants to really rock the boat on either side but saying that i still feel though i feel that anybody coming in is going to create mega change from a trump administration now how soon are we going to feel that change Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time, right? Like the president-elect can begin to work in a pretty subtle capacity, but in terms of major policy changes, that's going to be delayed until after the inauguration. So, yeah. That... Well, do you think that given that Trump is not entirely sure of whether or not he will agree with the outcome of the election? Um, given that he's an you know, I wouldn't even people... like dignify that with <laughs> any real thought or a cerebral process. He's an idiot. He won't have a choice. 
Yes. I don't even accept that as like a possibility. Honestly, I don't because yeah. Yeah. There, there are ways of handling that situation, whether that be by force or him just walking out gracefully. Well, that would certainly be uh, unfortunate for him. If I don't think they would allow himself to be embarrassed that way. I, I could, I, I, I could would easily so. see him just not showing up for the inauguration and just kind of sneaking out like Nixon. You know, fine. <laughs> I can see him just doing that, right? Just like bow out gracefully, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not a resignation, like yeah. Nixon, but you know, just. Just leave if that's what you want to do. If you just don't want to be a part of this and you don't want to, quote unquote, transition as it's been done for a hundred mm-hmm. plus years, then just go. Just go. That's fine. Yeah. We won't lose any sleep. Do you think you know? Given you know what you said about there being so many Trump supporters throughout the U.S. Do you think that he has a he chance? He has more of a winning? chance than the polls indicate, I think. Uh, I mm. hope, clear, real clear politics, I was reading an article a few days ago that, you know, real clear politics said they missed the mark because they missed some of the, the rural population, right? They weren't creating these algorithms to kind of make up the difference or compensate for a lack of being able to touch those folks because... Traditionally, as mm-hmm. they said, I don't know this to be true, but in their research, they identified that white, uneducated, uncollege educated uh, voters were g- greatly unlikely to participate in any polls. So they mm. wouldn't have. And isn't that. Yeah, his that's his base? group, right? So they wouldn't have had a way to capture those people to kind of know one way or the other where they stood. And I don't know that they've come up with some ways of being able to come up with some figures and they say that they have been able to integrate that into their process, but to what a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're all theoretical ideas, right? Like there aren't really concrete measurements yeah. of how people are feeling in their homes, you know, in their trucks or in their depression of where things are or in their angst for the democratic party. Right. There isn't a real way to check yeah. that temperature. So we just have to wait. I see signs across the country, right? Like in rural Illinois and California, the eastern portion of California is Trump country, right? Like I, I would say that there's a mm. an imaginary like state border in California and eastern California <laughs> lives and breathes for Trump mm-hmm. and western yes. California is just kind of steeped in kind of the traditional like they are the lifeblood of the Democratic Party, right? All of those electoral votes can generally be counted on pretty heavily. And because all of the population lives on the West, right? That's, it's a sure bet. But uh, there's no yeah. sure support for Trump on the, the Eastern side of California. But, you know, that's not going to make a big difference for electoral votes. But what I can say is that he's got a ton of support in the country, right? He's got a ton of support. Mm-hmm. But do you think that... Um... That they support, because like I've, I've, you know, I, I have people in my family that are Trump supporters and they have this, oh, I don't agree with him on that, but I do support the party. So therefore I need to support him. Uh, This like, do do you think that people are just rationalizing things to themselves? Because I feel like when they watch him speak or um, he's, even if he's 
on script or off script he just kind of especially as you know the time is passing on and the election gets closer he's just a little bit off the rails oh, a little bit that's as generous a statement of his, uh, as i've ever heard you deliver he's very <laughs> kind yes you should work for his campaign a little off the rails is putting it very mildly right so here's my take on it he, yeah trump is not for the republican party he's not for the democratic party he's for the trump party Mm-hmm. aligning with him yeah. isn't aligning with the Republican Party aligning with him is aligning with the Trump party the, the Trump ideals the Trump bigotry mm-hmm. the Trump brand uh, failure that's kind of what you're signing up for I I hope people mm-hmm. like don't in their minds rationalize that you know party loyalty is aligning with Trump because even Republicans I, I'm not in the back rooms to hear these conversations, but you hear it enough to know that there's got to be some truth to it. A lot of major yeah. Republican senior leaders are just disgusted with him, but they realize that the the hope and faith of their reelection and their their political careers rests in his hands because one bad word about them to the base and it's over for them, right? Their career is over. So a lot of people, you know, just in the name of self-preservation are aligning with him. Mm-hmm. But in the back rooms, right, they're saying, oh, my gosh, he's insane. He's off the off the office, off, off the hinges, or to put it in your words, in, a little off the tracks. Right. So to speak. But uh, <laughs> no, he's insane. Yes, he's I <laughs> I do agree that um, I also, you know, whether it was uh with good intentions or not, um, I watched The Choice, a PBS documentary about both of the candidates, uh, Trump and Biden, and about how they grew up and, you know, their struggles or the way that they, they were, might be different people in their lives. Um, I feel like I don't know how people can't see the fact that he is nothing but a narcissistic bully. Like that's how he's run his entire life. That's how he's running the party and the politics. Like if you are not for him, then you must be against him. And I feel like you're, if you're, if that's the way that you're running the party, then how do you hope to ever come to a bipartisan anything? Yeah. uh, Agreed. Agreed. You've been kicked off the campaign, by the way. So yeah, she's been kicked <laughs> off the campaign for sure. But I agree with everything you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. He's he's trying to lead the country in the way that he's led his businesses that obviously in recent months has shown that he's not been even close to a modicum of the success that he's been touting in his campaign and his uh, candidacy and his presidency. None of that, like has been indicated or reflected in his financial statements, right? So so he's a failure yeah. in business, right? So that's been another thing that people have been touting who support him. Well, yeah. if he can... Yeah, they yeah, support him like, in business they say or economics. Like these little tropes, like if he can do for his business, do for the country what he's done for his businesses, we're going to be in better shape than what Obama left us in. And I'm like... Rrr. So run me through that logic <laughs> real quick because I'm having a moment right now. I don't get what you're saying. He mm-hmm. inherited uh, record tra- job growth. That was an Obama legacy that he kept going. He didn't burn down the house. 
uh, unemployment rates going down for all uh, of those demographics represented in unemployment. He didn't burn that house down. Mm-hmm. Like I give him credit for not burning the house down, but he didn't add a level to it. Yeah. And I think that's a, the thing that, you know, regardless of what party you're in, I feel like people don't understand that the presidency as a part of government is basically a manager. Like they have to work with people that they don't necessarily agree with on how to maintain the government, how to make sure, like you said, the house isn't burned down. Uh, But it's not necessarily that they are the one and only figurehead that makes all decisions at every point of government. Like most, most local elections, as we know, are much more important than the four years. hundred percent. The 100%. other presidential election. I wish you could say that louder for the uh, folks in those <laughs> The local, local elections local. are the ones, local, 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 have more to do with your everyday life than the office of the presidency will ever Ever yes, folks. Have the to do with if it. you didn't get that, that's the reality. The, the, the reality, <laughs> like we, we don't just participate in elections every four years. We need, every time there's a ballot, you need to be in yes. front of the ballot. Yeah, and then the fact that, like, if you actually look at local politics, there are seats that are not that are that are empty for years. There are candidates that have had a slew of bad bad reputations but yet they continue to be run unopposed uh there's you know people that their political careers are just a hodgepodge of crazy and they've just slipped under the radar because people don't pay attention it is so true i've seen three school board uh positions just go unopposed where they had three openings and three uh, candidates and all of them were able to fill those seats and it's like huh now they could be great gifted yeah. and talented and have the people's best interest at heart but what if not what if not and yeah. they just walked into those roles uncontested I agree with you and I think that um, you know do you have any last words or any any concerns or tips that as you're going through you know roaming the country that you'd like to see people take note of i'll I'll say this two things my first thing is that exploring the country has shown me that there are some tremendously wonderful people in the country all across the country in all 50 states you got some really truly kind wonderful folks and maybe not some that are not so kind and wonderful, but you know there there are those people that are just absolutely tremendous. And the importance of voting, the importance of voting. I know that waiting in line to vote yeah. could be a four to ten hour commitment, but I'd rather spend four to ten hours waiting in line than another four years of a Trump administration. I just can't even imagine the reality of that being true. So. Well, thank you, Antonio, for for your wise words uh, and spending some time with me. Yeah, anytime, please. You're always welcome. Stay safe. Bye. You too.
So that was Antonio Bell, ex-HR turned truck driver and essential worker on some of his adventures across the nation. I do want to acknowledge I couldn't scrub the audio of my daughter very vocally arguing she didn't want to take a bath, but that's COVID times and things are complicated and messy right now and we all need a little grace. And if nothing else you took away from this episode, it's that we need to remember it's about the human-to-human connections we make along the way that propel us. Oh, and go vote, because that's an American rite of passage. This week's rose, bud, and thorn are, we will finally be over the presidential election, regardless of the outcome. I'm looking forward to the holidays, whatever they look like. I now know I can have a Halloween party with three people and feel a sense of satisfaction. And finally, winter is coming. But the cold front is already here. And that's our show. I hope you'll join us next time. Until then. If you want to follow us on Instagram at the way underscore we work, or check out the website at www.theway-wework.com. If you have any questions on culture, identity, the spectrum of where we fit in, send an email to the way we work official at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.